Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Welcome to today's episode, and I have the privilege of talking with Michelle, who is the co-founder of Elavi, a collagen-based protein bar and bite brand, with so much more in the pipeline down the road. Um, so Michelle, I'd love for you to just give a quick overview of the company and why you exist in the world. Well, I'm super excited to be here. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, yeah, so Alavi is a modern wellness brand on a mission to help consumers feel better and be unstoppable. We produce collagen boosted protein bars and have, as you mentioned, a couple other new products in the works. And um, our formulation process is very much rooted in a food as medicine approach, um, while at the same time meeting our modern consumers' needs of convenience. And so, um, we're super excited to, to be in the space and, and to help elevate our consumers to uh, feel their best. I love that. So we talked on our kind of first video podcast a couple months ago, um, which you can find at foodbevy.com slash industry news or on YouTube. Um, but really at that point, you had kind of just launched, you were going through the early kind of process, you launched the brand kind of during at the very, very beginning of COVID. Um, and I'd love to just check in and see how things are going now that you've raised a first round of investment, you're working on um, a rebrand, you have a lot of things going on. So um, tell me just quickly, like what's new? Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest thing is just the mindset shift, right? To go from bootstrapping and every single dollar being yours and being so, so territorial over every dollar being spent to finally having a paycheck and having capital and, you know, a little bit of just access and resources to do more and, and make a splash. And, and fortunately, um, our investors are super supportive and involved. And that's been really helpful to, you know, build out a, a growth strategy with them in terms of kind of what's next. It's kind of now, now things have just begun. Right. And so with, with capital investment comes pressure, obviously I won't, I won't, you know, discount that. That's definitely kind of, okay. Eyes are on you now um, because it's not just your money that, you know, is in, in the business. Um, but at the same time, it's exciting because, you know, you can do more. Um, and so right now we have very thoughtfully hit the ground running with hiring. Um, we brought on two key marketing hires in, in different parts of the business, one in like more partnerships and one in more digital content, um, just to kind of build awareness and, and drive growth and, and take a little bit off, off load of us. Um, also a growth marketer for our Amazon channel, which has been growing really well. And then uh, investing for the first time in a brand agency to, to help us reposition, you know, where we are in the category, because we are in a comp competitive category. Um, and also just for the first time, because we've been so go, 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 take a moment to pause and be like, what message do we want to convey? How do we want to talk about ourselves? How do we want our consumers to talk about us? And, and taking that mindful uh, moment and, and time to, to kind of reposition and refresh our, our branding and packaging has been a great exercise for us, especially, you know, given that we've evolved already so much. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we've been up to is just, you know, putting the thoughtfulness and time and energy now into, you know, setting up the foundation and, and, setting us up for growth. 
I love that. So many things I want to dive into. So first, walk through what you learned through the fundraising process. I talked with a dozen brands and they're all looking to raise money. And it's incredibly difficult right now, especially if you're not like the next alternative protein in the market. So tell me like what that process was like and how you were able to, um, you know, raise the money and close the round. Yeah. And, and my heart goes out to any entrepreneur fundraising, because for some, it, it might be easier than others, whether it's you have connections or, you know, your specific product happens to be at that macroeconomic time timing of, of the world of, of being great. Um, I would say the best piece of advice I got, first of all, is get into the mindset of pitching to at least hundred investors. Um, you know, it, it is very much a numbers game and you're, you're going to have to talk to a lot of investors and for some it's going to click and for a lot it won't and, and that's okay right it's you're not going to be everyone's thesis and I think just getting to that mindset of expecting rejection and to not let it affect you personally that was the biggest learning lesson for me um, I would also say something that you taught me is that you know especially for early stage um, you really want to find investors that believe in you and the founders right it, it's really hard to have that big tangible data points and, and revenue numbers that later stage investors are looking for. So if there are any investors in the early stage that you know label themselves as an early investor, and they're asking for these crazy like numbers and data and have these high expectations and are grilling you on your business and, and not really looking at you know the founders, um, that's probably not the right investor for you. Right. And I've had my share fair fair share of predatory investors who were either trying to get information out of me or who just wanted to do the song and dance and and courted us to the end and then last minute said, actually, this isn't even something we invest in. Um, so I would say be protective of your time too and 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 be thoughtful of your list of outreach really try to find some sort of a warm intro or some sort of a connection through LinkedIn, friend of a friend of a friend, even that can really get you further. And to really try to get into as many industry events, so many of them are virtual, which is fantastic. Um, and watch virtual pitches. I think that was the most helpful thing for me is to watch other founders pitch. And there's so many you can find online on YouTube. Um, or if you're part of different like food community events, they do virtual pitches or they'll sometimes like link to past ones. And that was super helpful in helping me, you know, tighten up my pitch deck to help me tighten up my pitch and just to kind of see, you know, what lands well from the other end. Um, because when you're selling it, it could seem one way. Um, so to watch someone else and get into the other end of the, of the vision really helps. And so that's really what I would recommend for, for any fun, any founders who are trying to fundraise is to, you know, really work on mindsets, surround yourself with people who can support you and build you up because it is a grueling timing, time intensive, you know, emotionally draining process, um, set up systems to organize yourself, have spreadsheets of who you've reached out to, who you want to, and um, just see every interaction as an opportunity. So you're going to get a lot of no's, but from that note, can you say, okay, thank you. Is there anyone in this list you might happen to know? Or, oh, I noticed you're connected to this person on LinkedIn. Would you mind making a quick intro? And then just making it so easy for people to make intros has been a big lesson for me. And instead of saying, hey, can you intro me? I, I have a customized blurb saying, hey, here's this blurb, send it over. If they're interested, would love to send them a deck. And, and that's really been my process and super helpful in, in getting those introductions. That's amazing. And then... As you were kind of pulling everyone together, I know it's hard just to like 
get the checks in the bank, even when people say yes, did you find like any strategy worked better than others or like being able to corral everyone together to do it? No, that's actually a really good question because nobody tells you this, that there's kind of that lag period where someone, you finally get that, yes, I'm interested. I want to come on board. And there's a finesse to it, right? You don't want to just be like, great, here's our wire account info, right? There, there is kind of a, a, a tactfulness about it because, you know, you're, you're getting money from someone and it's a partnership and you don't want to make them feel like you just want capital out of them. And so I, I definitely have kind of words that I use where I say, you know, would love to bring you on as a strategic partner. Um, I think driving urgency can really help saying, hey, we have this, you know, big initiative or purchase order or um, this partnership that we're, you know, trying to um, finalize and your investment would help us get there sooner. So kind of building to them why they need to invest now. I would say also, you know, if they've made the commitment, you, you know, follow with the wiring information, um, just kind of like set like very mindful alarms and reminders to check in with them if they haven't responded like maybe six or seven days and and I would set up mail track to make sure that they opened their emails um which I know is very creepy app but fantastic for fundraising um so they can say hey like you know not sure if I made it to your inbox I know you're super busy but um would, would love to check back in and then this is the very strategic thing that I like to do is, is share a win, right? It's like, oh, by the way, I have an exciting thing to share. Like we just sold out uh, of our flavors or we just got into this new retailer. We just got this press mention. So you kind of bundle it up with a, we're crushing it, come on board kind of um, email as opposed to saying, hey, like get back to me. So that's the strategy Great of all these yeah. retailers as well too. If they are not responding to me, I say, hey, following up, same exact process. By the way, here's a cool win. Um, would really Really like to come, like work together and and um, and be on board with each other. So that's the that's the best uh, advice that I can give and, and kind of nudging from a, a ex salesperson. So I love it. You launched. You were able to raise and close your first funding round, and now off to the races. Um, but while there's a ton of like really great things there, like it's still really difficult, both from a um, like emotional and like a mental perspective as well. So talk to me about, you know, what is like going through this process with a co-founder and then the emotional and mental stresses that that's caused. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you felt this or other founders have felt this, you know, you, you build up this anticipation of, you know, once I get, you know, around closed and then I'll be feeling so happy and overjoyed. And I remember feeling just kind of this huge feeling of overwhelm unfortunately. And it was obviously exciting, but then it was immediately followed by, oh my gosh, now I have to really, really go. Uh, so there is that emotional kind of shift of, of kind of this wave of anxiety and, and excitement at the same time, right? And, and kind of navigating the duality of those feelings. Um, and then doing that with a co-founder as well too, right? And I think so my co-founder and I, we balance each other really well. So she comes more of like the analytical financial world. She worked in accounting and I come from like a more digital marketing sales background. So our personalities are opposite. So she's very, you know, crit, like, um, you know, conservative in her like forecasting and, you know, very, you know, um, by the books and, um, you know, wants to make sure operationally everything's set up for success. And I'm just very go, 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 bulldoze down, like be very loud. And it's good that we check each other. Cause if you have two extreme of one or the other, then either paralyzed and you don't move or you crash and burn because you move too fast. Um, but I remember there was a moment, frankly, where she kind of felt more of that wave of 
of anxiety and I felt more of that wave of excitement. And it was kind of, kind of interesting to like feel both of our feelings and, and pick up on each other's feelings and kind of navigate that together. Um, but yeah, I would say kind of like in terms of what's next in terms of like navigating that emotional and, and mental mindset, I've been actively investing in, you know, trying to find a business coach to help us, you know, frame, okay, now when you're hiring a team, like how to be a leader, um, you know, preserving your co-founder relationship, um, because it's, it's a very intense, you know, intertwined relationships. You want to make sure that that's also healthy. So we've invested in therapy. We're both seeing therapists just so that we're not bringing our personal, you know, triggers and narratives um, of our personal lives into the, into the business, into our relationship. And I think it's really important to, um, you know, work on yourself at the same time, because entrepreneurship brings up a lot of stuff, right? It brings up a lot of insecurities, a lot of past issues, a lot of, you know, what ifs and doubts. And I think it's important to process those separately so that you don't project them onto the business. Um, and then with, with that, it's also, you know, this wave of, okay, how do I empower and manage, you know, new team members and preserve the culture and, you know, do this all remotely, right? Um, and I think that is still something that I'm figuring out, to be perfectly frank. I would say yeah. I have that figured out. Um, but how I'm trying to kind of go about it is look to other founders who are either at my level or maybe a couple years ahead and, and just observe. Um, because not everyone always has the time to pick your brain. And, and I think it's better to be respectful of people's time, but I do observe online really how people um, lead. And I uh, I think that's really cool. And, and I think LinkedIn is a fantastic place for thought leadership and, and sharing stories and connecting. And that's really cool to kind of have that platform. And, and I would recommend any founder to be on there and, and engage with different founders of different stages so that um, you can kind of pick up on their wisdom and and use that with your business. I just want to say how amazing it is that both of you kind of decided together to see therapists and to look for a business coach because you until like genuinely every single founder is going through the craziest like emotional tolls through their life both personally and professionally and when you're an entrepreneur those two like really blend together and it's hard to separate those feelings out from one another and they can really uh, they can, they will impact both the, your business will impact your personal life. Your personal life will impact the business and having someone or people to like unpack that with really helps because you're right. Like a, your co-founders can become like a, um, the outlet for your emotional stress. And like, while that's good to have friends that you can rely on, it's also like a ton of pressure to put on someone. Um, and then, you know, if they're going through something else and hear that too, like, they like if you're having a really really like terrible day like they might be having a terrible day too but might not be able to share that with you because they're like oh, I don't want like both us to burden each other and so it really takes an emotional toll so I think that's great that you're going down this path yeah and it just kind of helps understand communication styles um I think it helps you know we're where you're operating from or how you're being perceived. Like for instance, like my biggest anxieties or insecurities are that like, we're not doing enough. We're not good enough. You know, it's like my persistent narrative. And so that can project into maybe I'm, you know, too persistent on things, or I can be too aggressive on things, or I can put a lot of pressure on people around me. And, and, and I think working through that with a therapist is being so, so helpful in terms of, okay, well, how do I not project that fear and anxiety 
um, onto my team or onto my partner? And, and, and how do I make sure the words that I'm using or the way that I'm communicating to them is not being perceived in a, in a, in a light that I don't want it to. So it's, it's a very like humbling experience too. And I think, you know, very much like your ego should be checked at the door and no one, you know, deserves anything more. You know, everyone is on an even level, level playing field. And we all have like gone through different traumas and experiences that make us the person we are today. Um, but I think, yeah, just as you said very perfectly, it's, it's an insane amount of pressure and, and overwhelm and you're already operating with, you know, conditions of like fatigue, sleep, like sleep deprivation <laughs> a lot of times, um, just like, you know, the pressures of, of, you know, fundraising and, and kind of coming out of that, it's, it's, it's a pressure cooker. Right. Yeah. And I look to other founders and, and, and going to therapy was inspired by another founding team, um, where they got a business therapist. And so I think, as I mentioned, yeah, just kind of listening to podcasts and, and trying to follow other founders you look up to and seeing how they're balancing and managing their life could be super helpful in, in, um, kind of designing the way you want to run your business. Well, it's shown up to you in the way that you thought about hiring for the team as well, because, right, like, tell me about some of those first couple of hires and how that was able to be a stress reliever for you. Yeah. So um, one of our hires, she manages our influencer outreach and our social media and um, kind of like community building and, and, and um, awareness on, on online. And bringing her on has done volumes. And she's only part-time for now. And I realized that as much as I love creating content and the digital marketing aspect of, of social media, it was very much negatively impacting my mental health. I was getting into the, you know, comparison trap online, or I would just waste a lot of time, you know, falling into rabbit holes um, on social media. Um, and I just learned that, you know, social media, I, I need to be very methodical about it I need to be intentional of like okay I go in to post this or to look at that or to engage here and then I come out otherwise if I just mindlessly scroll I can fall into a negative headspace and that's just my own personal experience I think social media is fantastic and great and our business has been built and thrived on social media and so bringing her on to kind of help manage that um, has been so critical critical for my mental health and just to offload um, a lot of work that was draining me so that I can focus on more tactical strategic parts of the business. I think that's amazing. And I think that totally helps, right? And that's why I tell founders all the time is when you look to make those hires, think about what's going to make an impact on the business and what's going to make an impact on you <laughs> so that you can do that. And, you know, sometimes I found like, you know, sometimes a founder will hire someone in the area that they like love doing the work in and they end up like micromanaging and stepping on their toes because they're like, oh, well, I would do it this way or I would do it that way instead right. of like letting them really be successful. And so, you know, it's good to hire for those areas where it might be your it might, it might be like a full weakness, but like where you're not best at and hiring someone who's like an expert in that. hundred percent. And I think also, just as you said, I really look for people who are, you know, self-sufficient, proactive, and can take initiative. Um, the last thing I want to do is micromanage anyone. I don't want to do it. And I used to be micromanaged in past jobs and I hated that feeling. It's, it's very stifling, especially if you're in, you know, hiring for marketers, you know, they need to be creatively um, nurtured, but yeah. at the same time have that space for expression. And so it's that balancing act of kind of just my past experience and why I'm so glad I started this company in my like mid to late twenties where I had work experience and mm -hmm. was managed myself. So I know what I like and what I didn't mm -hmm. like and responded well to. Um, and, 
and yeah, it's kind of giving them like, here's kind of expectations, but I'll let you do it. However you feel like you think is best, like check in whenever, but, um, that's been really great to, to bring on people who can, can take that initiative and run with it. And I can trust that hundred percent that, um, they, they, they got it. So Lavi is moving into a space that's like really crowded, right? In terms of energy bar, protein bars, even just like health and wellness. And one thing that's really allowing brands or companies to stand out is having a brand. And a lot of people think about brand as like your colors, your fonts, your logos, but there's a lot more to it in terms of like your values, how you show up in the world and how you exist. And people really um, are relating to brands that they just like, would be friends with, right? Or like see as a, as a, as a, have a relationship with that brand. So I know you're going through a rebranding process right now. Talk about how you're thinking about it and then how you're, um, how you want to lobby to kind of show up in the world. Yeah. So what I think about brand, I think about, you know, how can it have a life of its own, right? Obviously it's going to start with an extension of, you know, the founders. Um, and I think that's really how a lobby has been able to build and grow at a time when it's hard, like unimaginable to build a brand in, like you said, a crowded space and all online uh, during the pandemic. And, um, you know, for us, it was really helpful to anchor down to kind of like core principles or words of a personality because a brand kind of like a human is dynamic, right? And it can evolve and change and have different, you know, sides to it. And so I think what was really helpful for us is to kind of anchor into words that, you know, we'd always run by, okay, is this, you know, uh, witty, is this, um, you know, inviting, is this accessible, is this empowering, um, you know, does this have personality, but also, you know, that um, authority as well in the wellness space. And so I think like writing down, okay, what are we and what are we not was super helpful for us to do in terms of defining who we are, where we stand. We also looked to other brands that we looked up to in terms of really bridging that line between being premium and accessible. There's some brands that are premium, but kind of untouchable and and sterile and, um, you know, hard to engage with. And then there's some that are, you know, accessible, but kind of not taken seriously or too silly or, um, you know, just not, um, you know, in line with like our, you know, health and wellness aesthetic. And so finding that other examples that were able to bridge that perfect um, duality between premium and accessibility was really helpful just to kind of anchor to, well, would Barry's Bootcamp do this? Would Peloton do this? Would, um, you know, Lululemon do this? And these are brands that are kind of adjacent in our category of health and wellness, but not directly in CPG. Um, but I've done such a great job of building community of, you know, driving, um, you know, great adoption in terms of like a good quality product, but also this accessibility being inclusive and for everyone. Um, and so we would kind of look to them as inspiration. And then from, uh, from, from our perspective, be like, okay, what do we want to pull? And then what do we want to add on and, and go from there? And so that's really how we approach brand is, is kind of creating this persona and then thinking of these sub people that we are serving and giving them a name and a, and a voice and, um, a full kind of, where do they eat? Where do they shop? Where do they, you know, uh, learn about new things? Um, and just getting so into the brain. So we have like an Aaron, we have an Alex, we have a Miriam and, and these are based after our top selling customers and, and our top, um, purchasing customers and, and loyal, most loyal ones and, and kind of bucketing them into those categories and then feeding into what is our overarching kind of brand persona um, has been really helpful so that 
at the end of the day, are we serving? And I think that's really the goal as a brand is that, you know, are we providing value just because if you're not, then I think that's just a company. And I think a brand is, is really connecting with the consumer and uh, giving them something that can, you know, in some way entertain or enhance or improve their, their lives. I'll tell you, I can't wait to see the new brand come to life. And so, um, yeah, I'll be keeping an eye out for that. Michelle, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And thanks for sharing your experiences. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure and um, I'm excited to connect with anyone. So if they want to check us out, um, we're at alavi.co, E-L-A-V-I.co. And you can also connect with us on Instagram at Hey Alavi as well. Perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you.